Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. We're only going to look at three verses. Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. There are several warnings that the Lord is going to give guarding against, I'm going to call it honor. And so the message, the servant and his place of honor. Let's read these verses, Mark 12, 38 through 40. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues, and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. Several warnings here. In fact, we'll talk about four of them. Four things, well, we can call them four warnings. Four things of which to be warned. The first one is clothing. Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing. Clothing or appearance. Appearance. So the certain clothing that they wear is there for their appearance. Beware of dressing to draw attention to yourself. The servant and his place of honor. To think about a servant, a servant really should give honor to his master, not take any honor for himself. The long clothing. This is a long, I don't know what to call it, robe? Something like that. It goes down to the feet. It reminds me of what, uh, it's either Paul or Peter, don't remember which one. Gird up the loins of your mind. The idea is to reach down and grab the bottom of that robe and stick it in your girdle so you can work. The long robe is the robe of royalty who doesn't work. Okay? Doesn't labor. You can't work in the long garment. So that's the idea of that. And then it doesn't mention it here. We'll look at it in Matthew's Gospel, the phylacteries and the borders of the garments. We'll look at that passage. But let me give you three ways that a person can dress to draw attention to themselves. A person can desire and love to wear the clothing of the extravagant or wasteful. We might call it stylish, perhaps, in a sense of drawing attention to ourselves. Nothing wrong with uh, wearing the latest style, you know, so long as it's uh, conservative and modest and all that sort of thing. But the long robe, as I mentioned, was the dress of the of nobility, of the rich, of the well-known, the person who had the style, the robe that would reach to the ground, unable to work in it. It was the sign of a higher society. And uh, a man of leisure. Jesus, of course, was not speaking against fine clothing. 
there's a place for that. But he's speaking about drawing attention to ourselves. Condemning the person who was extravagant and wasteful, it kind of reminds me of what Paul says about the women that had the plaited hair and all of the extra things with their hair to draw attention to themselves. So the clothing is that way. Rather, what we should do is not put our minds on our clothing and our appearance, but on the things of the Lord. You know Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, not on the way that people can honor you. The Bible also tells us that a man's life does not consist in the things that he has, but rather uh, the idea is in the service that he renders to others. So if you're going to serve, you're going to have on servants' garments, garments that are going to be ready to help and work. The world has all sorts of needs, Christian needs as well as other needs. God's will is that we be wrapped up in the needs of others and not around ourselves. So not wearing the garments that demonstrate to everybody else that, hey, we're not going to work, we're not going to serve, we're nobility here. So you can dress in such a fashion to wear clothing that's extravagant or what might be called wasteful. There's a place and a time for that. A second way to draw attention to yourself by your dress is to dress in order to actually attract attention. A person often desires attention. In fact, we all do. So we seek to get that attention in different ways. It can be not just our clothing, by the way, but our hair. All that is is a a way to dress to draw attention to yourself. So that may not be an extravagant way to dress. Holes in your knees britches that hang down over your hips and draws attention to yourself. Here is where we find the scribes and Pharisees and others doing this. Let's go to this passage in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, verse number 5 it is. Matthew 23 and verse number 5. In our text in Mark, he mentions the long clothing. In Matthew, he talks about adding things. Matthew chapter 23, adding things to your clothing, Matthew 23 and verse number 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. There's two things there, the phylacteries and the enlarged borders of their garments. I think this is the only time that the English word phylacteries is found in the Bible. And I did some research on that. I guess some of the Jewish men still use those today. There are two of them. One, the phylactery is a box. I don't know how big. I'm guessing about an inch to two inches square or cubical type uh, shape. One they put on their forehead, and of course it's strapped on their head with a piece of leather. The other they put on their arm, up about here, with long leather tongs, and then they wrap those tongs around their arm to somehow, it's a certain way you do it, to get on the fingers. And in the box, 
are four pieces of scripture written on parchment or vellum. They come from two places, uh, two, two sections in Exodus. Exodus 13 verses 1 through 10. Exodus 13 verses 11 through 16. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. And Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 24. Those are the four scriptures that they have in the phylactery. And we don't find that from the scriptures. We find that from the history of the phylactery. But the idea of it comes out of Exodus 13 and verse 9. Let's take a peek at that passage. Exodus 13 and verse number 9. It shall be, talking about the word of God, for a sign unto thee upon thine hand and for a memorial between thine eyes that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Well, you and I understand that passage of Scripture to indicate to us that the Word of God should be in our minds, in our hearts. We don't necessarily have to plaster it between our eyes on our forehead or you know, on our arm. But evidently this practice has developed from this passage of Scripture. It was done in Jesus' day. don't know if it was done the same as it is today, but Jesus, of course, is using it in a condemnatory fashion, talking about these uh, men who put on the phylacteries. And now I understand from the history of this that it's done when the men go to prayer. So they're not worn all the time, but just when the men go up to prayer. And um, our text tonight seems to indicate a public sort of a prayer, possibly at the temple or elsewhere. And so Jesus is probably condemning this public display of the clothing in the form of the phylactery. The other thing that he mentions is in Matthew 23.5, is the enlarged borders of the garments. By the way, these verses on in the phylacteries are supposed to remind the worshiper uh, that he's supposed to keep the Word of God. Now, in Jewish thought, the Word of God is not just the Bible, but all of the Jewish traditions, the teachings of the rabbis. That's to them all the Word of God as well. And so forth, we wouldn't agree with that. Uh, the borders, the, enlarging the borders of the garments is to add fringes or tassels or something to that effect on the uh, garments. And that would draw attention to themselves. Because you got those things dangling and making movement and so forth and so on. Evidently, that's what the fringes or the enlarging of the borders of the garments are doing. So, we're dressing clothing, uh, our appearance, in order to draw attention to ourselves. What should we do? John the Baptist said that the Lord must increase and I must decrease. So we, we don't want to wear shabby garments. That will draw attention to yourself also. You want to dress in a fashion that you're not drawing attention to yourself, but drawing attention to the Lord. A third way that a person can draw attention to himself the way that he dresses is to wear clothing that exposes the body and uh, attracts a per person's eyes to certain parts of the body. This is done by tight clothing, low-cut clothing, high-cut clothing, or thin clothing. In other words, too little clothing. We need to be fully clothed. 
And uh, that's why I stress that all parts or all times of the year we ought to be fully clothed. In Romans chapter 6, there's a verse, verse 13. Neither yield ye your members. Your members is a mention of your bodily parts. Okay, your eyes, your ears, whatever other bodily parts you have. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Let's go to the first Timothy passage. This is usually used for the women, and Paul is talking about the women, but what's good for the goose is good for the gander. What's good for the women is good for the men. If the men, women are to dress modestly, the men are to dress modestly. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. In like manner, he's been talking about uh, men going to prayer, uh, men to, to uh, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also. So the men are should take this into hand as well. Adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with the broidered hair or the gold or the pearls or the costly array. I don't think Paul's saying you ought not to have a hairdo, ladies, but a hairdo that's going to draw attention to yourself. The broidered hair would be that. Understand that was high up, you know, long hair that was way up in the tier and so forth and so on. But shamefacedness, drawing attention to your face, which is not going to show the hidden man of the heart, but the glory of God. But what becometh women professing godliness with good works. And so we have those passages that talk to us about the modest apparel. Also, Peter says this as well in 1 Peter 3, 5, uh, 3, Chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, he's talking about the women. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair, or the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel. Again, the fixing of the hair, the wearing of gold is not wrong. If that would be the case, then so would be the putting on of apparel. But you have to put on apparel. So it's, uh, it's to draw attention to yourself. But let it be, Peter says, the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. That's what needs to be shown. That's good for men. That's good for women. So we can dress to draw attention to ourselves by being extravagant, appearing rich, making people think we're somebody, or to draw attention to ourselves in some way or another, some odd sort of thing, or immodest. Those are the ways we can draw attention to ourselves. And those are, that's a warning that, God, that the Lord Jesus is giving to us. Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing. The next warning is a warning about salutations. The next part of verse number 38 in Mark 12. And a love salutations in the marketplace. Salutations are greetings or titles. Titles that would, what Jesus is talking about, titles that would exalt man. And the religionists love these titles. It's not mentioned in this verse, one that is familiar, the one that they used for the Lord Jesus was rabbi. In the Bible times, that was not really an exalted position. It was 
it meant a teacher or a master, someone who gave instruction, and it was only a simple title. Yet, there were some people who loved to have that title to themselves. Now, we have titles. I think it's good to honor people. But I think what Jesus is talking about is the scribes who wanted to honor themselves. You must call me Dr. Hennock or Reverend, the most right Reverend. Some people insist on those titles. Now, I use them for everybody else. I'll put the doctor in front of my name in literature or church brochure or something like that, but I usually don't refer to myself as Dr. Hennock or Reverend Hennock. To me, the title pastor is kind of like the one rabbi, uh, just a shepherd. Just a shepherd. The shepherd in the Old Testament was, was a nobody. Okay? So I kind of like that title of any title. And other cultures have this as well. Director, executive, chairman, you know, and people insist on these. This is what these men wanted. They wanted these salutations. They loved the salutations. Now notice what he says here. In the marketplaces. The marketplaces was a public forum. So they wanted public acknowledgement of this title. I don't think it's wrong for us to use titles, even for ourselves, but not to draw attention to ourselves, just like the clothing. So beware of showing yourself publicly before everybody. We're just servants of the Lord. That's all we are. So, you know, when people do give you titles, be humble about that. You know, we're just like the grass that's going to wither, right? First Peter one twenty four. all flesh is as grass. And all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower falleth away. So, we're just grass anyhow. <laughs> just a flower. Trying to give glory to the Lord. What the Lord really wants from us is not these accolades and titles He wants us to demonstrate love for one another. And love for one another means we're going to serve somebody else. And we're going to lift somebody else up. Okay, that's the opposite of grabbing these salutations for ourselves and publicly in the marketplace. Alright, so then he continues. Verse number 39. And the concept is they, they love, like the love to go in the long clothing, they love the salutations, they love the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts. I'm going to put those two things together. Let's call that the warning against places of honor. Places of honor. Having the chief seats in the synagogue and the uppermost rooms in the feasts. Evidently, it was a pattern. We don't get this necessarily from the scriptures, but again, from the history of the synagogue. In the synagogue, the important people would sit in the front facing the crowd. So everybody in the crowd could see who are the important people. And so they loved to have these chief seats in the synagogue. And again, some people, what's the idea? They wanted to be prominent and preeminent with that. The other illustration is the uppermost rooms at feasts. And here we're told that if there is a, uh, okay, let's say, I want to sit on his right hand because that's the most honored place. You can have the left hand side. So you start over here. This is the most honored place. 
This is the next honored place. And then we go the next honored place to the right further away. And the next honored place. And the next honored place. And the next honored place. The closer you get to the honored person, that's the honor. They want those honored places at the feast. That's the idea. Jesus gave a parable about that, didn't he? He said when you go to a feast, don't sit in the honored place. Sit in the last place. And then when he calls, or even sit in the crowd, and then when he calls you up, hey, you come up here and sit in one of these places. That's the way we ought to operate, places of preeminence. Let's go to the little epistle of 3 John. 3 John. John the Apostle mentions three different people in this little epistle. It's only one chapter. There was beloved Gaius, and then there was Diotrephes in verse 9. And Diotrephes love us to have the preeminence. And then the third fellow is Demetrius in verses 12 and to the end of the chapter. But notice about Diotrephes. 3 John verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. I think there's a connection between that receiving him not and loving to have the preeminence. Normally, when that's the case, somebody who loves to have the preeminence rejects somebody else. And so, Diotrephes, who loved to have the preeminence, rejected the Apostle John. This is a, a warning against loving to have the preeminence. Now, notice what he says here. It is not having a place of preeminence that is wrong. What's the problem? Loving the preeminence. It's just like money. Is money wrong? Is money evil? What's the problem? The problem is the love of money. Okay, The love of the preeminence. Having the preeminence is not wrong. If you get honored with something, having that premier place is not wrong. But loving to have it is wrong. You can't live without it. <laughs> That's the way Diotrephes was operating. So the condemnation is not having the place of prominence or the place of honor, but loving it. Right? I think that's the flavor with this whole thing. This whole passage of Scripture back here in our text of Mark chapter 12. Beware of the scribes who love to go in the long clothing. Nothing wrong with having the long clothing, but they love to have the long clothing. Nothing wrong with having a salutation, a title, a greeting, but you love to have that salutation. Nothing wrong with taking the chief seat or the uppermost uh, uh, room at a feast if it's given to you, granted to you, but the problem is loving it or loving to have the preeminence. Alright, so back in our text we have one more verse, verse number 40. We have, so far we have three warnings. The warning against clothing, the warning against salutations or greetings, the warning against places of honor, and then verse 40, I'm going to call that a warning against pretense. He says, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. Now, there's two things in that verse. One is the devouring of the widow's houses, and the other is the making of the long prayers. I'm going to classify them as a pretense. Because what I think is happening 
is the devouring of the widow's houses is something that goes on behind the scenes. He's addressing the scribes in verse 38. Beware of the scribes. Many of the scribes were lawyers. And the lawyers would be those who would deal with cases regarding widows. Other things as well. But what they're doing is they're preying on the widows. The ones who would be weak in knowing what to do with a situation. Particularly in Bible times, the men were the ones who were supposed to be involved in the business affairs. Typically, the women didn't do that. And so, here we have the widows and taking advantage of the widows because they didn't know, were not familiar, weren't taught, weren't allowed to be taught what to do with financial matters matters of property and so forth. So they are devouring widows' houses. They're stealing from the widows behind the scenes. Don't we have people doing that today? People call you on the phone. And they prey on older folks. That generation was a giving generation. And so they prey on that and uh, tell you, oh, you've got to have this. Oh, did you know this, that, and the other thing? And get you all stirred up and riled up. This where it's uh, careful to uh, beware of, of any kind of contact that comes from anywhere. You know, put up your antennas and question everything. They do this behind the scenes, evidently. Not necessarily out in the open, devouring the widow's houses. So they're doing something legally or illegally, and they made a way to work around that to get to take the property of people. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. Deuteronomy is a good place for talking about the fatherless and the widow. And then the last thing he's saying, it's, I'm still putting this under pretense, because we have that word, and for a pretense, make long prayers. They're pretending that they are doing the right thing pretending that they're helping the widow when actually they're devouring the widow. Pretending that they're spiritual people because they have these long prayers. For a pretense, make long prayers. The long prayers, again, if this is a public place, prayers in public, they can either do this out loud and publicly pray out loud, or go to the place of prayer if they're doing the phylactery stuff, all of that, you know, they put the phylactery on their forehead and on their arm, everybody knows they're going to prayer and they spend much time in prayer as a pretense. They're pretending to really be spiritual. You know, we are great at being spiritual showmen, aren't we? Christian people. We appear to be spiritual. We attend all the services of the church. We're faithful out to soul winning. We're there at prayer meeting time. And yet, we're pretending that we really serve the Lord. There are two dangers here with the long prayers. There's the danger of praying publicly for attention. We have that danger when we make public prayers, either out loud or, you know, in we don't have a place today where we go as a people to pray publicly. The Jews still have that, the Wailing Wall and things like that. The ladies pray in a different place. So, you know, you can pray publicly, out loud, or going to the place of prayer. The danger of praying publicly for attention and long prayers, you know, you just don't walk in and five minutes later you come out. 
but uh, long prayers. If we pray out loud, we pray in such a fashion that we sound good, that we demonstrate our ability at language, that we show our devotion to the Lord, and but we have the danger of praying publicly for attention. And then there's the, also the danger of sharing one's private prayer life, either in a prayer request or in praying, you know, sharing private stuff in our prayers and making that a part of our long prayers. And then finally, that's the four things, that's the four warnings. But then there's this last phrase on verse 40, and these shall receive greater damnation because they're doing things in a super spiritual way pretending to be what they are not. So there's an admonition here for the servant to be a servant, not to draw attention to ourselves and not to take that honor for ourselves, but to give it to the Lord. This is Dr. Lee Hennies, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached at church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again. Mm-hmm.